Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The mask is off with CYA and interagency finger pointing now in full swing. Even Biden's media allies are finding it difficult to cover for the Democratic president. The latest on the unfolding disaster in Afghanistan in tonight's Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. It keeps getting worse now. We understand this is not just an optics issue. This is now a serious national security calamity unfolding before our very eyes. Yeah, it looks bad when people are running to the airport to be a part of this withdrawal that Biden has completely botched. But it's more than just looking bad now. It's dangerous. We have thousands and thousands of Americans who are still very much in harm's way. And we don't know how we're going to get them out. The Biden administration somehow did not prepare for this contingency, which, from the perspective of the American people, is the single most important one in this whole fiasco. Even the media is starting to wake up to this one and see that you can't really defend Biden on this one. That's how bad it's gotten. Watch. This happened under President Biden. He changed the deadline from May 1st to September 11th. So he already was able to change deadlines. Secondly, we should hold him accountable for his leadership during this time, which has frankly been an utter failure. Joe Biden is going to be the face of the failure of the withdrawal. I mean, to hear Jake Sullivan call this the successful drawdown of the U.S. embassy there, his words, I, I, I mean, is almost comical, right? I mean, I don't see how anybody could call that a successful drawdown, given the circumstances we're seeing there. The president said that the buck stopped with him, but in fact, the speech was full of finger pointing. The buck stops here. He says the buck stops with him. Taking responsibility, that's important, except you can't really say the buck stops with me if you don't really take the blame. The buck never stops, if you ask me, but busy guy, what can I tell you? Look, the reality here is the media has nowhere to go with this other than to admit the reality. That's how bad it is. I mean, they'll lie to your face if they can get away with it. If they can come up with some way of explaining away Biden's responsibility for all this, they would, but they can't. And now we've got thousands of Americans who are essentially in the hands of the Taliban. I mean, it's up to Taliban checkpoints whether they can even get to the airport to be a part of this air evacuation from the one airfield the U.S. has decided to keep up to this point because Biden's whole plan here was such a disaster, Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, was asked uh, yesterday whether she could guarantee that all Americans would be evacuated. And this was her response when asked, can you guarantee that? But can you offer any guarantee to the Americans and Afghan allies that if they remain there past the end of the month, 
U.S. troops will help them evacuate past the end of the month. Weijia, our our focus right now is uh, undoing the work at hand and on the task at hand, and that is day by day getting as many American citizens, as many SIV applicants, as many members of a vulnerable population who are eligible to be evacuated to the airport and out on planes.、Uh, and we're going to do that in an expeditious fashion. That is the focus of the president, of our Secretary of Defense, of our Secretary of, of State,、uh, and everybody on our national security team.、Uh, so that that is where we will keep our efforts. Yeah, she's not guaranteeing anything because she can't. We all know that. But she had to dance around that issue. Here's Jake Sullivan、uh, asked whether he will commit to evacuating. Will they get all Americans out of Afghanistan? Will they do whatever is necessary to get every American home from Afghanistan? Here's the national security advisor. Will U.S. troops stay until everyone is out, or will they leave? So I'm not going to comment on hypotheticals. What I'm going to do is stay focused on the task at hand, which is getting as many people out as rapidly as possible, and we will take that day by day. So you can't commit to bringing back every American. There's a large number of. Yeah, I'm not going to comment on it. Going to just focus on this right now because if people understood the implications of what we're really facing here. Thousands of Americans in a country that has been completely overrun by a barbaric regime of fundamentalists who hate America. Yeah,、uh, we'd see that this is a really big problem. People are already starting to ask, how could we have missed this? The, when I say we, of course, I mean the Biden regime and the intelligence and military apparatus that it controls. Well, it turns out now the New York Times is reporting that intelligence actually warned of the Afghanistan、uh, military collapse here. And that, despite Biden's assurances otherwise, even as the president was telling the public that Kabul was unlikely to fall, there's now reporting that intelligence assessments painted a much grimmer picture. So, wouldn't that be interesting if, while while Biden was out there insisting, as he was a month ago, that the Afghan army was well armed, well equipped, well trained, and ready for battle and would hold their ground, his intel community, at least according to this reporting, maybe this is just cover your butt time, which is very possible. But the intel community was telling him that it was very likely that, or very possible, I should say, we don't know what the probability standards were that they were using, that there would be a much faster roll-up of Afghan forces than what was actually anticipated. Again, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan was asked about whether Biden ignored those intel reports. Here's what he said. The president yesterday said the situation in Afghanistan unfolded more quickly than anticipated. You said it yourself just a few moments ago. But numerous officials have told ABC that there were key intelligence assessments warning the Taliban could overwhelm the country and take the capital within weeks. Did the White House disregard that intelligence and push ahead?、Uh, I'm not actually familiar with the intelligence assessments you're describing,、uh, but I also don't want to get into.、Um, Specific intelligence products. Yeah, you know it's important. It's also classified. I can't can't talk about it. That, that's the usual dodge you get. The old Potomac two-step, and you're going to see a lot more of that in the days and weeks ahead. That's for that's for sure. Oh, but if you want to know about military tactics and strategy and somebody who really knows what's up and is going to shoot straight with the American people, you can always count on Crazy Nancy Pelosi to just make this. A partisan nonsense situation. Here's what she says about Biden's disaster. 
The big question right now, should the Biden administration have had a stronger U.S. military presence for the transition? Well, first may I just say that I commend the president for the action that he took. It was strong, it was decisive, and it was the right thing to do. We should have been out of Afghanistan a while back. Uh, but now we are, unfortunately, uh, one of the possibilities was that it would be a dis uh, in disarray as it is. But that has to be corrected. And it is my understanding from the assurances we have received uh, that the um, military will be there negotiating with the Taliban for the safe exit of American citizens and friends, people who have helped us, our allies there. Yeah, Pelosi. What a joke. All right, we'll have more on the unfolding crisis in Afghanistan with former Department of Defense official Cash Patel. But let's talk about the crypto market for a minute. Everybody wants to invest in cryptocurrencies, it seems, these days, but it's not easy to get started, right? Where do you begin? That's why Colin Plume, the CEO of Noble Gold, decided to create My Digital Money. It's an easy-to-use, self-trading crypto IRA platform with concierge-level customer service. It's one of the few U.S.-based cryptocurrency companies that will answer your phone calls and help you get started. And because your comfort and security is their absolute top priority, they offer an unparalleled military-grade security for your coins, trigger orders to help you secure opportunities for gains, or limit losses without having to watch your account 24-7, a play money account so you can test the market and not risk your money. Plus, with the crypto market heating up again, this could be a really great time to get into this exciting technology-based investment. When it comes to your money, you deserve a team of dedicated professionals that have your back, speak to you honestly, and treat you like a human, not a number. Check them out at MyDigitalMoney.com. Again, that website is MyDigitalMoney.com. We'll be back in a moment with more Hold the Line. Terror and gunfire erupting outside the Kabul airport earlier this morning as thousands try to evacuate the city, including many Americans stranded there. But they're safe, right? Wrong. The State Department is reportedly telling trapped Americans they cannot guarantee their safety as they make their way to the airport. Meanwhile, the White House admitted a fair amount of U.S. weapons are now in the hands of the Taliban. So just to be clear, the Biden administration is leaving weapons to terrorists, letting Afghans fall off military planes to their deaths, and abandoning Americans in a city taken over by the Taliban in this so-called contingency plan that they said they had in place, huh? That's the way this is supposed to go? Let's ask former chief of staff uh, to the acting U.S. Secretary of Defense, Cash Patel. Cash, uh, first of all, man, you were at the DOD at a level where this kind of planning would have occurred under the Trump administration and did occur under the Trump administration. Are you just dumbstruck by what's happening here? I mean, is this just too crazy for words? Um, I feel like we should almost create a new language for this because I don't even know how to describe this complete failure from a U.S. government. It's not supposed to be political. It's a war zone, and you're supposed to rescue Americans who are in trouble and end the war peacefully like we wanted. And I just don't even know where to begin. But on the alternative, <clears throat> yeah, we had a coordinated plan under President Trump, a detailed coordinated plan that obviously is lacking here. Now, give, give us a sense of what, what kind of differences were in that plan under Trump, because one of the ways the Biden administration 
is trying to spread the blame around a bit or trying to at least deflect is by saying, well, this was handed to us by Trump. How would Trump have done things differently? Well, we have, so let me outline our plan real quick. So it was a conditions-based withdrawal. And what that means is President Trump said, yes, end the war in Afghanistan to me, but he said, you have to do it when your conditions are on the ground are met. So he wanted the Taliban and the Afghan government to meet, which they were doing, to create an interim peace government. He's told them specifically face to face that if an American person or interest was harmed, he would order the Defense Department to bring them to their knees. That is a powerful message. He also said that there had to be a complete repudiation and rejection of al-Qaeda by the Taliban, and so there would be no terrorist commingling with the new Afghan government. These measures, along with special forces uh, operations that we're going to continue in Afghanistan to protect against terrorism interests, are uh, just a few examples of our coordinated conditions-based withdrawal under President Trump. And we handed this plan over to the Biden administration during the months-long transition process, where they accused us of being political hacks, and they said, we're not gonna look at this, we have our own plan, because Trump's was working and he did X, we're gonna do Y. Well, Y, as you said, leads to Afghans falling out of US United States military cargo planes to their death, Americans, American citizens on their own in Afghanistan, and our specialized weaponry going to terrorists. So that's a stark juxtaposition for me, and I just don't know how to say it any better. There's, there's been a lot of back and forth now in the press. Seems like some leaks are, are being put out there from different senior defense officials or, or people that had a, a hand in this planning at the White House trying to cover their butts, for lack of a better way of putting it. And uh, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Milley, has certainly come in for his fair share of criticism. He, he suggested earlier today that there was never an assessment that he saw anywhere that suggested that the Taliban could take over the country as quickly as they did. One, Cash, do you believe that? And two, isn't that in a sense its own indictment then? And, and shouldn't Milley resign just based upon the debacle that's unfolded as a result of that bad foresight or lack of foresight? That man, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, who's supposed to be the most apolitical uniformed officer in the country, with that statement has just made himself the most highly politicized figure in the United States of America, more so than Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer combined. He should resign immediately. How can he possibly sit there and run, help run a defense department and advise the president of the United States and say there was no intelligence uh, that warranted the situation on the ground? What was he looking at? I worked with him just a few short months before that. The intelligence was there. We created a plan under President Trump. The only thing generals like Milley and Lloyd Austin care about is the next star on their shoulder and the next promotion they get, and they just want to keep their jobs, which is why he's kowtowning to Washington, D.C., and what it's left is 10,000 American citizens on the ground. Let me just say this. We had a plan to remove our citizens on the ground in Afghanistan with our forces. We don't send out text messages. Jake Sullivan said, the National Security Advisor and President Biden just said yesterday, we've given them a phone number and hopefully they can make it to Kabul. No, the Department of Defense doesn't hope and pray that American citizens will come find them in a war zone. We go get them. We create concepts of operations and we unleash our specialized forces to go and rescue Americans. And you can't do that if you give up Bagram Airfield, which was our command and control element. Joe Biden just said, we don't need it anymore. Go ahead. You guys can have it before we leave. It's amazing. On the issue of, of equipment, a lot of people are seeing photos now of Taliban fighters, Taliban fighters who are decked out head to toe 
in U.S.-provided gear to the Afghans. They've got uh, American-made M4 rifles. They've got some advanced optics on them. They've got uh, night vision goggles. I mean, there's been a plundering of what we gave to the Afghan security forces, Afghan government security forces, to try to stop the Taliban. And here's uh, uh, Jake Sullivan of the White House, the National Security Advisor, saying that, yeah, weapons have fallen into their hands. We don't have a complete picture, obviously, of where every article uh, of defense materials has gone, but certainly a fair amount of it has fallen into the hands of the Taliban. And uh, obviously, we, we don't have a sense that they are going to readily hand it over to us at the airport. Um, I, I, that last comment, by the way, I guess maybe he was trying to be glib or something, but that just seemed bizarre. It's like, obviously, they're not handing over the gear they've stolen from the Afghan army that wouldn't, even, that wouldn't fight in the first place with that gear. What the heck is this guy talking about? How does he still have a job, Cash? I have no idea, but it's spoken like a true Washington bureaucrat who, unlike you and me, had no no experience in operational activity on the ground in war zones covering our country. This guy, again, is punching, like Millie, is punching to keep his job. What do you mean he doesn't expect them to turn it over? And what do you mean the American citizens, you know, we expect them to return to us in Kabul? This guy has absolutely no idea what is going on the ground in Afghanistan. As you know, the Department of Defense has a huge logistical operation. We had planned C-17 and C-13 flights moving out of Afghanistan by the thousands to remove the catalog military gear and equipment we had provided the Afghan army. When you discard that plan and up and leave Afghanistan and leave Bagram Airfield, and of course the Taliban is going to come in and loot that gear and steal it. But for him to say we don't know what they have and we didn't know where it was is one of the most reckless things to come out of this White House. And it's unfortunately why I tragically fear we're going to hear someday soon that Americans were killed or held hostage with our own weaponry. Cash, thanks for joining with your expertise today. And we'll have you back soon because we know the story's not going away. Thanks so much, Buck. I always appreciate being with you. All right, thousands of veterans are looking on in disgust as the gains they fought for for two decades evaporated almost overnight. We come back, veteran of the war in Afghanistan, Jeff Teagues is going to give us his perspective on the events of the last week. First, I want to tell you about my friends at Done For You Real Estate. If you've ever thought about investing in real estate, I want you to take me up on this recommendation right now. Visit doneforyoubuck.com where you can learn more about my friends at Done For You Real Estate. If you haven't checked them out yet, let me make this easy for you. These guys have found a way to make real estate investing straightforward and their system flat out works. I know because I'm using it. It allows everyday hardworking Americans like you and me to finally own investment real estate without all the risk and difficulty of doing it on your own. Look, I can't tell you in strong enough terms during this quick commercial how important it is you check these guys out. So how about this? If you visit doneforyoubuck.com, at the top of the page is a podcast interview I did with the founders of Done For Your Real Estate, where you can hear my personal experience in my own words, right? With this company, what I actually did with them. I'll tell you about it in detail, from picking the city to the house, the broker, getting a loan, even getting a tenant in place, so I get cash flow coming to me every month. Visit doneforyoubuck.com, listen to the podcast interview, and give my friends a chance to show you what they can do for you. Jeff Teagues joins us right after the break.
Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Are you, is that a serious question? It's absolutely a serious question. Do you trust the Taliban? No, I do not. No, I do not trust the, the Taliban. It's a silly question. Do I trust the Taliban? No. But I trust the capacity of the Afghan military, who is better trained, better equipped, and more, re, more competent in terms of conducting war. Six weeks ago, President Biden insisting he didn't trust the Taliban, but flash forward to today, the United States is now relying on the militant regime to uh, steer clear of 15,000 Americans, give or take, who are supposed to be evacuating Afghanistan. Watch the National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, on this. The Taliban have informed us that they are prepared to provide the safe passage of civilians to the airport, and we intend to hold them to that commitment. Yes. We believe that this can go till the 31st. We are talking to them about what the exact timetable is for how this will all play out. This as the Taliban is trying to convince the world that is now a kinder, gentler group, if you will, claiming it'll form an inclusive government and respect women's rights. Should anybody believe them? Let's ask our next guest who knows the Taliban all too well with over 25 years in U.S. Army special operations and combat experience. Jeff Teagues, COO of All Things Possible, fought the Taliban while serving multiple tours in Afghanistan. He also served in Iraq. He joins us now to discuss. Jeff, thanks so much. Buck, thanks a lot for, uh, for having us on again. I thought, uh, I thought we might sit this one out, but we've got some access and placement to, to intervene and help some people, so we're, we're up to our neck in it now. So let's just first start with uh, the policy side of this, and you can tell us more of the on the ground, Jeff. Right now, the Biden administration seems to be in a position where they are putting their faith in this brutal Taliban group to let Americans, never mind other people that might be trying to get out, get to the Kabul airport. What are your thoughts on this? The, the unfortunate piece with this is we've forgotten lately in the United States that when you enter into a conflict like this, you have to destroy this evil. The Taliban is straight up evil. I wouldn't trust them as far as I could throw them. And coupled with this is this fallacy that we've been living for a couple of decades that the Afghan military is, is prepared to defend themselves. You know, when I first saw this happening many, many years ago, I was okay with it because I thought, okay, I get it. We're gonna, we're gonna fake it till we make it. I, I thought it was a, an operational security idea where we, we build up the capacity of the Afghan military so that they don't uh, aren't threatened by their neighbors. But as we got closer and closer, with my last time in Afghanistan being 2009, I realized, oh, oh my goodness, we're, we're not just gonna fake it till we make it. We're, we're just gonna straight up fake it. And that's what we're seeing now is the inability for the military of, from Afghanistan or even the will to stand up against the Taliban that's largely been sitting in Pakistan for the last two decades, just waiting for us to leave. What can you tell us right now about the 
capacity that the U.S. Uh, could have or perhaps uh, should have to go out and, and get Americans who are currently stranded there. I mean, I had Rob O'Neill, who's a former Navy SEAL, best known for being a part of the Abbottabad mission that killed bin Laden, uh, on my radio show earlier today, uh, Jeff, and he said that, you know, he basically, he said, uh, give me a bunch of pipe swingers, meaning, you know, special operations guys, would go out there and go pick up Americans that need to be picked up. Is that something that's feasible? The Biden administration says they won't and can't do that. I think it's more than feasible. And I'll tell you, in my over 25 years of military service, I would have loved a mission like that. I would have loved a clear-cut mission that special operations with the appropriate resources are, are going and extracting American citizens from, from this level of threat. So what, what I've been getting and what we've talked about with the State Department, we just had a visit from Senator uh, Congressman Lamborn from Colorado just at our training center, and he put us in touch with some folks in D.C. But the problem, Buck, is everything is caveated with we can't guarantee. We can't guarantee safety. We can't guarantee that this is still uh, truth on the ground. You know, the, the quote was, today is today, tomorrow will be different. But what what is being directed from the beltway, if you can trust it, is to move to Camp Sullivan. If you are an American citizen or if you have a special immigration visa as an Afghani, it, it's to move to Camp Sullivan. That's, Camp Sullivan's been there on the south and the southeastern side of the um, Hamid Karzai International Airport for, for many, many years. And that's the directive is get there. The problem is getting there. And now we're back to your initial question. We're trusting that the Taliban checkpoints are going to let you through. And some people are getting through easily enough. Some people are being molested. Some people are are, are, are being approached and attacked violently. So it really is pick your poison. If you're going to sit tight and wait for some other ideas to be recovered and rescued or make your way to Camp Sullivan. Your group, All Things Possible, ATP, has been working with some contacts on the ground there to get a couple of families out of Afghanistan. I know there are operational security concerns here, but can you just give us a sense of where that stands and what, what we're learning here about the realities on the ground for families that are trying to get out of Afghanistan right now? So ATP works all across the globe, and, and people always ask me, how, how do we choose our mission sets? And, and one of them is how we, we feel called to them, you know, like almost a divine, a divine call to intervene. And then the other one is this access and placement, which you, which you know all so well. I haven't spent that much time in Afghanistan compared to Iraq, so my access and placement was kind of small. And we dismissed a lot of the different requests for assistance. But sometime uh, late yesterday afternoon, we fell into this community that is using, um, you know, these commercial apps that are secure and, and coordinating and synchronizing getting Americans out and getting these Afghanis that have the appropriate paperwork. So we're going so far as round the clock, passing names, photos. We, we just pushed right before I got on with you, the, the pictures of what these people will be wearing. So when they approach the checkpoints and if and when they get to Camp Sullivan, the friendly forces there recognize them immediately. So all of this is being done by uh, good Samaritans, m many of which, most of which are former veterans that have a piece of their heart still in Afghanistan. Jeff, I just want to circle back to the Americans who are behind what are now really enemy lines in Afghanistan, thousands and thousands of civilians. Are we going to be able to get them out, do you think, or are we just waiting to hear about catastrophe? 
my guess is we're waiting to hear about catastrophe. I, I don't I don't see any indicator from the history of the Taliban on on the way they do business that that they're going to continue to afford the goodwill supposedly that that they've offered up. So I'm guessing that there will be an ultimatum at some point within the next coming days, uh, and then it it will be what it will be. I am com- completely flabbergasted still on the lack of movement from our federal government. The Biden administration and the vice president con- are continue to be almost completely silent on this. So I, I I would like to relay that information again if you're an American citizen or a special immigration visa holder to get to Camp Sullivan. Uh, and then uh, the last thing I'd like to comment on too, Buck, is we're, we're getting a lot of outpouring from Gold Star spouses and veterans that are, that are really uh, having a hard time coping with this. And and I, I want to encourage Gold Star spouses, their husbands and their wives' lives were not given in vain. Those of us that fought on the ground, we took devils off the earth and we did our job. Hold your head high and be honorable. But everyone that's out there, take take a moment today and, and, and thank a vet and thank that family because we already know the skyrocketing suicide that's in the military with veterans. I don't think this particular circumstance in Afghanistan is gonna help that in the near term. Jeff, thank you for your service and for your, your work on this issue and your expertise here on the show. Appreciate it. Good to see you, Buck. Thanks for what you're doing. From the crisis in Afghanistan to the crisis at our southern border, a record amount of illegal aliens continue to enter the U.S., including a number of suspected terrorists. Texas gubernatorial candidate candidate Alan West joins us next to discuss the national security implications of the ongoing crisis. But right now, I want to tell you about my friends at My Digital Money. It seems like a lot of people want to get invested in cryptocurrency these days, whether it's Bitcoin, Ethereum, or any of the dozens of tokens out there. But many people don't know how to get started. That's why Colin Plume, the CEO of Noble Gold, created My Digital Money. It's an easy-to-use, self-trading crypto IRA platform with concierge-level customer service. It's one of the few U.S.-based cryptocurrency companies that will have you answering your phone, or they'll answer your phone call, rather, whenever you need it, and will help you get started. And because your comfort and security is their absolute top priority, they offer an unparalleled military-grade security for your coins, Trigger orders to help you secure opportunities for gains or limit losses without having to watch your account 24-7. A play money account so you can test the market without risking your money. And with the crypto, current, uh, crypto market heating up right now, this might be a great time to get into this exciting technology-based investment. When it comes to your money, you deserve a team of dedicated professionals who have your back, speak to you honestly, and treat you like a human, not just a number. Check them out today. All you have to do is go to MyDigitalMoney.com. Again, that website is MyDigitalMoney.com. Alan West is coming up after the break. Stay with us. Unprecedented numbers of migrants have crossed the southern border in recent months, including a number of known or suspected terrorists. According to the New York Post, Customs and Border Protection officials told Congress in March that four people, three from Yemen and one from Syria, on the terror watch list have been arrested at the border since October 1st. In the past two previous fiscal years, fewer than four people on the watch list were busted at the border. Six people from Yemen and Bangladesh were arrested in the fiscal year 2018. So how many other apprehended migrants are also on the terrorist watch list? Will we ever see some transparency from this administration about this national security concern? 
Alan West is a gubernatorial candidate for the great state of Texas. He's also a former, uh, a former member of the United States Army. He joins me today to discuss the ongoing crisis at the border. Alan, great to have you. It's good to be with you, Buck. Thank you. Let's start with the, the terror at the border concern. How real is this? How big is it? Where do you see this being a challenge? Well, I see it being a huge challenge when you have a 1,254-mile border that is wide open and it's not secure and it's not protected. And you just read about uh, how we have Yemenis and also uh, Syrians who have come across that border on the terrorist watch list. But remember that we have had in this fiscal year, 2021, 1.3 million illegal immigrants that have been apprehended. Of course, not deported, just apprehended and released. But think about the other 300 to 350,000 that are what they call getaways. And just in the last month in July, we had 38,000 getaways. So we know that there are individuals that are coming across the border into the state of Texas, military-aged males that are wearing camouflage uniforms with backpacks. And I can almost guarantee you that being MS-13, which is a terrorist organization, or Islamic jihadist organizations, we have a serious problem here in the state of Texas, which means a serious problem for the United States of America. What can you tell us about the state of Texas's efforts to try to help secure the border on its own and what the Biden administration's response to that uh, has been so far, especially considering the terror watch listed individuals you just brought up who have crossed? Well, I think that there's been a lot of uh, beating of the chest, you know, talking about building walls, which end up just being a, a chain link fence, which uh, is just lying there on the ground. There's a lot of talk about how they're uh, the governor's putting the National Guard down there, but I've seen the National Guard. They are on observation posts and they're just watching. As a matter of fact, one o'clock in the morning, I saw a National Guard observation point turn on their lights of their Humvees to enable human smugglers to bring people across in the Roma, Texas area. And then, of course, they just call forward and ask for uh, buses to come down and pick those individuals up. Uh, there is no deterrence down there on our on our border. So you have a Customs and Border Patrol agents, the federal government, ICE, that are not doing anything to protect our border, and we're not doing anything as the state of Texas, which the Constitution does give us the right to do in Article 1, Section 10, Clause Number 3. So uh, we have a very precarious situation, a very dangerous situation for our national security. And with what has happened in Afghanistan, I'm very concerned about more Islamic jihadist terrorists working with the cartels, a terrorist organization in itself, uh, to get individuals into this country. Tell me what you think that uh, about the, the uh, vetting capabilities people are bringing up now. I mean, this ties into the border and also the Afghan situation, that it seems highly uh, improbable that we'd be able to do any vetting on the spot that's worthwhile given the chaos unfolding right now at Kabul International Airport. Do, do you have any faith in the, uh, in the ability of the people that are calling the shots right now in the military to make sure that we don't have any infiltrations of the outflow from Afghanistan of, of Afghan nationals uh, that could be either terrorists themselves, sleeper cells, or, or people who are wishing the U.S. harm? I have no faith whatsoever. Uh, this has been a complete debacle. 
and what you see happening. And the people that would be responsible for doing any type of vetting for these special immigration visa individuals, they're the ones that are also trying to get out of Afghanistan themselves. We have shuttered our embassy and people are trapped there in Kabul International Airport. So why, for the life of me, uh, I can only term it as being stuck on stupid, would you have Bagram Air Base and you would shut down Bagram Air Base, which was a secure facility, easily uh, defended, uh, where you could have brought individuals in, you control the airspace, but now we are in a situation where I've been to the, I was in Afghanistan for two and a half years, you've been there. The Kabul International Airport sits in a bowl and there's only one road to get to it and the, and the Taliban's cut off that road. So we have isolated and now enabled our Marines, our, our soldiers to be surrounded by the Taliban. And uh, Alan, it just seems like this, the Biden administration at this point People even who were maybe willing to, individuals who voted for Biden, actually, according to some of the recent polling, pretty healthy percentage of them are having voters regret, it seems, recognizing that not only is this administration beset by numerous crises, but that its decision making seems to be the immediate cause of these crises, certainly in the case of the withdrawal from Afghanistan, but also at the border. Do you think that this is creating the kind of political vulnerabilities that will be hard for the Democrats to explain away? Or with the media in their back pocket, is it just too much to ask that people actually can see what's really going on here? You cannot hide what is happening in these seven months for the Biden administration. The high commodity prices, the inflation, the gas prices, the unsecure border that we have, the economic crisis that we're looking at, the fact that we are begging OPEC nations to uh, provide us with oil and natural gas while we're shutting down our oil and natural gas production here, and the fact that in seven months, Joe Biden has been responsible for now creating the largest Islamic jihadist terrorist sanctuary that we have ever known, and he has put the exact same people that we drove out of power just 20 years ago right back into power. And on this day, when we remember the anniversary of the 19th Amendment, when women got the right to vote in the United States of America, think about the tragedies for women and young girls in Afghanistan right now because of Joe Biden. What do you think is going to happen? Bringing us back to the border here, Alan. Uh, it seems that Vice President Kamala Harris, who was, but a few short months ago, called the border czar and, and had this at the, at the top of her agenda, at least allegedly, couldn't get her to go to the border for months and months, as we know. But she is now missing an action on that issue. The Biden administration can't change the numbers coming in from Border Patrol, which shows over 200,000 apprehensions in the month of July. It'll be something similar to that, perhaps even more than that in the month of August. This is unprecedented. Does the Biden administration are they able to allow this to continue in their minds without paying a massive political price? How, how does this end? Does it end? Well, first of all, when you say apprehensions, I want everyone to understand that does not equate to deportations. Uh, you're just talking about processing people, giving them a travel folder with $1,400 of taxpayer money, and then they're just uh, released to go into the interior of the United States of America, either by bus or plane. This is going to have huge political ramifications for the progressive socialist left, for the Democrat Party. There's huge buyer's remorse. And right now we have two people that are the epitome of incompetence in Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And hopefully we can survive this and uh, get to 2022 and get to 2024. But right now uh, it is the United States of America, our allies that are just watching an incredible debacle, being it in Afghanistan or being it here in our border.
Alan, great to have you with us. Thanks for joining. My pleasure, bud. Thanks. Bill de Blasio's vaccine mandate may be hitting a snag as restaurants band together to sue the New York City mayor. That story is coming up in Quick Hits. But first, let's talk about that morning cup of joe. If you're anything like me, you got to start your day with some caffeine. And that means kicking off my day with Black Rifle Coffee. I mean, this is the most delicious coffee you're going to get anywhere. It's so good. And it's also a veteran-owned company that serves premium coffee to people who love America. Black Rifle is continually committed to supporting veteran law enforcement and first responder causes. And this summer, Black Rifle invites you to enjoy your coffee, not just the great taste, but also the places you drink it, the passion it, and, and adventure it fuels and inspires, and the entertainment Black Rifle serves along the way. Whether you're brewing the perfect cup of pour-over before kicking ass at work or cracking a can of 300 on your next backcountry mission, Black Rifle Coffee Company is here to fuel your way wherever the summer takes you. Black Rifle imports its high-quality beans from all over the world and roasts them five days a week at their facilities in Tennessee and Utah. The team at Black Rifle Coffee is always experimenting with new roasting methods and origins to bring you the best coffee you can get absolutely anywhere. Go to blackriflecoffee.com buck right now and use code buck at checkout for 20% off your purchase and your first coffee club order. Fuel your summer with America's coffee, Black Rifle Coffee. We'll be right back with Quick Hits. CNN's Don Lemon claims he doesn't do opinion. <laughs> That's actually legitimately really funny. And Gary Underwood is under fire for liking an anti-mask tweet. We got that and more in Quick Hits. But first, something that's near and dear to my heart. Something that gets me really fired up, gets me really uh, pissed off, to be honest with you. New York City has this vaccine mandate in place. I got my brother's wedding this weekend. I was told that I would be barred from the venue unless I got the shot. Now, I know some people say, oh, you shouldn't have bent the knee. Okay, so yeah, I should have missed my brother's wedding because I won't get a shot. I mean, the shot's not going to kill me. What am I supposed to do? Uh, and yet, here we are now. The mandates are atrocious. It's awful. It's overreach. It's not even scientifically valid insofar as I and many, many millions of others like me have naturally acquired immunity. So this is where we are right now, and yet de Blasio has unrolled this vaccine mandate passport system requiring proof of vaccination for indoor activities. But finally, people are fighting back. The Independent Restaurant Owners Association uh, Rescue and a handful of restaurants and gyms are seeking an injunction against the executive orders. Other restaurant owners have expressed concerns about some of their workers threatening to quit if they're required to be inoculated. And in a tight labor market, replacing those workers is still gonna be, of course, a very serious uphill battle. Now, how will the courts treat this? What will it mean uh, when the judges or judges finally get a chance to look at this situation? I don't think that people should, should assume that judges will be favorable to freedom here. I think we've seen all the way up to the Supreme Court, although there have been some exceptions from the Supreme Court in the last 18 months, but a willingness to allow the emergency declarations to stand wherever they come from and for whatever reasons. And this is outrageous, right? This now allows us, unfortunately, to be in the forever COVID state where we never really return to normal. And we have these different cities and even states, if they're in the hands of Democrats, that keep coming up with new reasons to extend mandates, to put in new mandates. and 
to violate the basic civil liberties and, and privacy of individuals, or else they're just not allowed to partake in, in society at all, right? That's what we're dealing with here. Um, one of the reasons, though, I think we've gotten into this mess with COVID is because the media is both so stupid and so dishonest. And if you're looking for stupid and dishonest media, there's no better place to be, really, than uh, CNN. And CNN's Don Lemon has said that he and his viewers would have to help viewers become more media literate. And in order to reduce vaccination hesitancy and halt the spread of the Delta variant, CNN's Don Lemon has said he will have to help Fox News viewers, that's right, become more media literate, I'm sorry, not his viewers, because he's a straight shooter, that's what he said, not an opinion host. This was the quote, I'm not an opinion host, I give my point of view, he said, apparently unaware of the uh, self-contradiction, I'm not an opinion host, I give my point of view. Wow, that's amazing. That's the most Don Lemon thing I've ever seen. That's what we do here at CNN, he said. That's the big difference between us and the networks that don't have to operate in that realm. You don't say. Pretty amazing. Anyway, uh, Carrie Underwood, great singer, lovely lady. People, people think she's great, right? Well, she's facing backlash right now because uh, she liked conservative commentator of the Daily Wire, Matt, Wa- Matt Walsh's anti-mask video. The Before He Cheats singer, 38, liked a tweet promoting Matt Walsh's uh, video voicing his concerns with the Metropolitan Nashville Board of Public Education's recent mask mandate. In the video, mask said that, uh, Walsh rather said that forcing children to wear masks should be considered abusive, which he's right, of course. Walsh added that making children wear masks all day teaches them to believe the air is toxic and that everyone around them is sick. And he is absolutely correct in that. But Carrie Underwood getting the heat, although, you know, she'll be okay. You can always come be a conservative. Come out in the open. Be a conservative, Carrie. There's plenty of room for you. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is up next. Shields high.